for they're made from dirt and clay, Father. Only you are worthy to be worshipped. Father, I am not worthy to be worshipped. This building, Father, is unworthy to be worshipped. It's made with the hands of men. But you, Father, are worthy to be worshipped. You love us, Father. You've given us more than we could ever imagine. You sent your very Son on our behalf. Father, that alone makes you worthy to be worshipped. But you created a, a world, Father, for us to live in. And you've blessed us and been good to us and kind towards us, Father. You've healed our bodies, Father. Deliver, delivered us from the pits of hell. Father, there's so many reasons why you're worthy to be worshipped. Father, we gather to be together today as your people to sanctify this building, to se separate it, Father, for the work of the ministry. Father, that your people have a place to gather together and be enveloped by the presence of God. Your people, Father, can gather together and hear the words of heaven. Father, to help us, to train us, Father, so that we become carriers of faith and carriers of the power of God to a hurting and dying world. Father, the world needs to see the true church, the church, the church that's victorious and healed and well and full of joy and are overcomers, Father. And Father, you've assigned the church to be the training ground for your people, to fill them, Father, with your word and your knowledge so that we have something to give to the world, Father. Not just natural things of food and clothes, but supernatural things of deliverance and healing. And Father, we thank you for that. And Father, we just say again that you are good and that your mercy endures forever. Lord, we thank you for these things. We give you all praise and honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, is the Lord good? Is his presence good? We appreciate the presence of the Lord, amen, and his goodness and kindness towards us, amen. And so praise God. Well, we wanted to gather together today just to uh, separate this building for the work of the Lord, amen. And uh, Brother Randy is gracious enough to, to be here for this. Of course, he, uh, he's been uh, coming here for many years now and has imparted so many things into our lives and to the ministry here. We appreciate uh, his faithfulness all of these years, amen. And so we thank for his goodness. And so let's give a warm Dayton, Tennessee welcome to Brother Randall Greer. God is with us. He's leading us, guiding us, and directing our paths. It's good to be here with you. You know, if you could say anything good about me, and I'm not saying that you could, but if you could conjure up something good to say, be sure to give the praise and honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I was headed to hell as happy as I could be because I didn't have any better sense driving down the road on my third escape from prison when I had a supernatural encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. He made me aware of what he had called me to do before I was born. You know, God formed you in your mama's womb. And he had a plan for you. <clears throat> and a purpose for you. Well, I had been oblivious to that. Didn't know about that. 
total purpose. I mean, I'd had an inkling back when I was younger, but at this time in my late teens, early 20s actually, when I really come to the realization that God was alive and that Jesus Christ was alive. And it wasn't just an imaginary person that somebody made up. And the Bible wasn't just a book that somebody wrote trying to make me be good. Because that's the way I thought. That the Bible was a book trying to make me be good because I was in total rebellion at that time. But thank God. He rescued me. He set me free. He turned me around and set me going in the right direction. But it's an honor to be here in Dayton, Tennessee. Monkey town. Forgive me. <laughs> Forgive me, Dr. Chip. Don't, don't get me. He said, we got to go on from here. But I ain't seen a monkey yet. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'd like to see that monkey testify one time. Amen. <laughs> but we thank God for what has happened and what's accomplished here and what God has done here. As uh, Dr. Chip has said, we're here today and gathered today to gather, dedicate these premises and uh, if you'll let me, I'll call it a sanctuary unto God. You know, even though we know that we are the, the temple of God today. But there's a lot of good things I believe that we can learn, that we can see and we can understand about a place that we can come together and worship God. And it's totally thoroughly, I believe, in honor of God to dedicate these facilities to Him. Now there was a lot of things that went on in this building for you to see it like this. And of course, I, I guess most of you have seen this building uh, before in its former glory. <laughs> and, and now you see it now, and it has changed tremendously. Everything about it, even the roof on the top up there, is, is a, on, on top of that roof, there's a, another roof up there. It's a brand new roof. And, and all these uh, things that you see here didn't just happen there's been some kind of elbow grease involved in it. So we're here today to, to dedicate these facilities to the Lord and, and more so than that, dedicate ourselves and consecrate ourselves to His plan, to His purposes, and we know they'll come to pass. We thank you for Dr. Chip, Pastor Chris here. They're people of integrity that practice what they preach, and I appreciate that about both of them. I mean, this didn't happen just because they decided to do something. They prayed it out. They thought it out. They meditated on it before the Lord. And I remember coming down here one time. You were doing a Bible study. Isn't that right? I mean, did I come down here one time or something? Maybe. Anyway, before the church ever started. I mean, full-fledged. Because you had a Bible study, wasn't it? it was it in this place here? Yeah, I thought so. And so here you are now. And uh, thank God for where this church has come from, but not only for where it's come from, but where it's headed to. Because this is only the beginning. I can guarantee you that. This is only the beginning of what God has planned for this region, for this city, for this area, and ultimately for the world. And we thank God for it. But we thank God for all of you that's dedicated and consecrated yourself to God's plan and God's purpose and God's will to see it take place and see the kingdom of God be established in this earth. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we reverently and humbly approach your word today, we thank you for revelation of your word.
Thank you for illustration of your word. And then thank you for impartations of the spirit of the living God that enable and empower us to walk out what we have heard. Now, Father, we will be careful to give you the glory, the honor and praise for all good things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I'm glad you was able to join us today. Glad you was able to be with us here today. And I assume that people didn't just come to get a chicken leg. I mean, even, even though that's going to be involved in it. And we're going to go back and look at some Old Testament scriptures in this uh, dedication service today. Uh, but we're going to, you know, tie it into the New Testament, you know, how it applies to us today or do our best to do that. And so we're going to be turning to start with, we're going to go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. I knew you just couldn't wait to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. And we're going to see about a temple there that was built by Solomon. In fact, uh, his daddy, David, King David, we know the story, or most of us would know the story, may not know the complete story, all the uh, wherefores and thou fours and dot and I's across every T, but most of us would be familiar with the the temple that King David, that was king over Israel, had it in his heart to build for God. But God had told him, because of some things that you have done and some things that you shed innocent blood or shed blood and whatever, not just innocent, but blood, you know, and, and then he done some things, and I'll not get into all that. But anyway, he said, you're not going to build the temple, but who's going to? Solomon, his son, would build the temple. And that they would dedicate the temple to God. So King David gathered all the materials, gathered the workers, gathered all the gold and silver and the brass and snuffers. You know, they had snuffers. You know what dipping snuff is? Well, I'm not talking about dipping snuff. This is, this is snuffers. <laughs> they had those. Dr. Chip can tell us about those things. But they had them in the, in the first temple. But what they done is when they got through building the temple according to the plan of God and purpose of God, they dedicated the temple to God. They brought all the, the instruments that they were supposed to have there. They brought the Ark of the Covenant into the temple and they dedicated the temple to God. In fact, David had it in his heart to build a permanent dwelling place for God in this earth. That's why they established that temple. Because up till that time, he had been in a portable, basically, tabernacle that would be moved from place to place and as they traveled, you know, across the land. But, uh, and the Ark of the Covenant was there. But God's presence, uh, David decided, uh, did not need to be a traveling minister in a sense. <laughs> but he wanted him to be in a permanent location. So let's look and see what happened uh, here. And we're not going to read every scripture. We're just going to read some scriptures and, and then make some comments about it in the dedication to see that it's thoroughly scriptural to dedicate facilities to God. Now, in the sense of this, you know, we know today that we are the temple of the living God and that God dwells in us. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But also, Facilities or church buildings are dedicated for the purpose of God, for the teaching and training and discipleship of the saints, which is us, all of us. And we thank God that when we come to church, we can come with a reverent, respectful attitude so that we can receive from God in the name of Jesus. You know, sometimes, in, especially in the modern day generation, 
People have a frivolous attitude about God. They don't look at worshiping God uh, like they should sometimes. And I'm not getting on anybody. I'm just telling the truth. But when we come to church, we should come with an attitude of worship, an attitude of reverence, an attitude of consecration, an attitude of dedication. Now, we should have this in our life daily, but we should set aside time that we just devote it and give it to God. And that's what we're doing. That's what you're doing this morning. You're giving your time to God and you're devoting yourself to God and saying, God, I'm ready to hear from you. God, I want your presence more than anything else in this world. And nothing in this world can take your place. And that's why I'm committed to come and be here in this church service to meet with God. So that's the reason we have the facilities. That's the reason we dedicate them to God. Because we dedicate it to the worship of God. To the glory of God. To establish His kingdom in this earth. And thank God you and I have a part to play in that. So here we have after the temple was all built. And we'll just read it and let the scriptures say uh, give some more information here. What Second Chronicles chapter 5, is that where you asked me to turn to? Okay. It says in Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Thus all the work, stop right there. Thus all the work. Do you think that all of a sudden somebody snapped their fingers and pop, this building was like this? Was anybody involved in the work around here? <laughs> I mean, if you wasn't, that's no problem. But was anybody involved? Well, I Dr. Chip, because I got word from his wonderful wife here, Miss Chris. She said that some time he would come home and he would be all discolored and disfigured. In fact, she thought that he had come. She didn't say these words, but from the definition, she thought he had been on the Mount of Transfiguration because of his uh, discoloration. He had so much grime and dirt on him because he was going up on this lift thing that they had in here that it took to go up there in that ceiling because all that up there had black stuff all over from years of this thing being sealed off. It used to have a ceiling right about them beams or right in there somewhere that went across here. And then for years, there was nothing up there. Can you imagine the dust that accumulated? In fact, Dr. Chip told me that he couldn't get, he was, just couldn't wait to tear the old ceiling down because he knew he was going to find treasures from where this building was first built. And he said the only treasure he's found was a lot of dirt, grime, and dust. In fact, uh, you could say, call him, nickname, don't disrespect him, but you can nickname him Dusty. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and you, you could imagine. And then other people here, you remember what it looked like. You remember how you got involved. Remember what used to be on the floor down here? Work. I'm talking about work. You remember what used to be down here? It was a tile of some kind, wasn't it? Vinyl? Yeah. Yeah, but there was stuff we had to tear up up here. Y'all had to tear up. Isn't that right? And that probably wasn't easy. And remember that there's a room right there that's Dr. Chip's office now. That office used to be right here. You remember that. And it was the Holy of Holies, and it had no top or roof to it, so God could come and go as he pleased. <laughs> and, that, and there was a storage room right here. Do you remember that? There. And then back in here, that was all totally different in the back of here. And then all of the front of the church here was totally different. All this wood structure, all these uh, TVs and things like that were not here. All the wires are run up through there in the ceiling. You just don't see them, but they're there. 
there's electrical wires and, and stuff back here behind this uh, rock wall that's hiding here. So somebody done a lot of work, and that sound booth that's there used to be somewhere over here. And so they just put, uh, put him on wheels and rolled him over there. <laughs> and then they done some work in there, isn't that right? So notice here, what it says was about this verse, he said that then thus all... Uh, here it says, Thus all the work that Solomon had made for the house of the Lord was what? Finished. Now, it took a while to finish this. Because what was going to be a two-week project turned into what? Five months. So we had two weeks of work done in five months. But it was a, a five-month project to convert to, and restore and renovate, be the better word, to renovate these facilities here, change all kinds of things around here. In fact, it's, uh, just to imagine what it used to look like and what it looks like now. And of course, those of you that's been here, you understand that. But if you haven't been here, you know, you didn't know that it didn't look anything like this. Now, why was all this done? Because of the fact that the pastors started praying, the seeking God. The church started praying and seeking God. And out of the process of this, you know, they own buildings next door. They own buildings back here. The church does. And I remember at one time, it's going to renovate this and started the project. But they had it in their heart by obeying God and listening and being led by the Spirit of God that first of all, they should renovate this facility right here because this was best suited and you could do it quicker than doing that over there. And you could just totally change how the facilities look. Now say, well, it looks important. Well, I'm not saying that you look in the mirror and you look good, it's going to take you to heaven. But I'm not saying if you look in the mirror and you look ugly, it's not going to take you to heaven. So that's good. And I'm not saying you're ugly. But what I'm saying is, everything was done for what? For the glory of God to show God that we appreciate Him and we love Him and we desire Him and we want Him. Isn't that right? And so we are, like Solomon, had work has been done. I say we. I must have a frog in my pocket. But anyway, <laughs> the work has been done to dedicate these facilities to God. So here, Solomon said, thus all the work, and I'm just pointing out there was work involved in that. That Solomon, all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all the things that David his father had dedicated, and the silver and the gold, and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. Then look at verse 2. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel. So I'm calling today the elders of Israel. Here you are. You're the elders of Israel, so to speak. In other words, we are coming together here to do something. He, he assembled the elders and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, unto Jerusalem. They all come to Jerusalem to do what? To bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. In other words, they was bringing it to its permanent resting place, which represented the glory and the power of God. That's what they were doing. They had created these facilities for God. In fact, God had told them exactly what to do. Just like this church right here was renovated, basically being led by the Spirit of God. 
They just knew that this was supposed to happen and take place, and then today we're dedicating it to God just like they are doing and will do here. Because all the work, and if you read the chapters prior to this, you can see what all was done, what was accomplished, and how the work was taking place, and everything that was taking place. So here it was finished, so we're just picking up. Everything was finished. But notice they brought up the Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's law, of course. And, of course, it represented the glory of God, and that's where God would dwell. Well, we know this according to the Bible, you know, in the Scriptures. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, bringing it to the New Testament. It said, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? God dwells in us, and we are God's temple. And when His Spirit comes into us, it changes us for His glory to establish the kingdom of God in our life. So, yes, we contain God's glory. Yes, we are the temple of God as individuals. But at the same time, God's presence can come in this building because we dedicate it and consecrate it to His use so that He can bring His will and plan to pass in people's life and establish His kingdom here in the city of Dayton and ultimately around the world and in our lives. More specifically, that's what He wants to do. Thank God for it. When you come in contact with the Spirit of God, there's going to be a change in your life. Talking about being the temple of God today. You know, there was a time that I was not the temple of God. Was there ever a time in your life that you was not the temple of God? Well, there was a time that I was not the temple of God. I was driving down the road on my third escape from prison. The first week of May of 1982. Y'all remember that, right? The first week of May of 1982. Was y'all there? In Galveston, Texas, y'all remember that? How you come out of a, you know, you come out of Uvalde and then come on down through there by Houston and then come on down that way and turn on to 45, you know, and you go down there and you go to Galveston Island. Y'all know, remember that? Galveston's an island. Y'all remember that? You remember it's an island, right? That's an island. Galveston, Texas is an island. The only way on and off that island is by airplane. We've flown our airplane in and out of there. Or by boat, ferry, or a boat, or by bridge. That's the only way you can get on there. So I'm on a road coming out of uh, the mainland of Texas, you would say, going across this bridge into Galveston, Texas. Now the reason I was in Galveston, Texas, saying I was, it was we, it was several of us, three of us in fact. We were up to no good and we was going to commit a crime that day. But the Lord had been dealing with me. I'm talking about being the temple of God. We're dedicating these facilities to the temple of God. But we are the temple of God. Well, up to that time, I hadn't known God's presence in any greater way. I, I didn't have any experience where I just knew that God was really real until this day. I had a supernatural encounter with Him. We said, well, can God speak to people that are that way and have such a lifestyle? Well, I'll remind you of the Apostle Paul, whose name was Saul. He was on the road to Damascus, remember? And he was going to arrest Christians when all of a sudden, a great blinding light, blinding light appeared unto Paul, or Saul at the time, Paul later. And it said that all them, him and all those with him fell down to the ground. And then the choir, you remember, they, they run out of there, Miss Chris... She ran out with the choir, and they sang that song. Another one bit the dust. Y'all remember that? <coughs> and they fell down. 
And it, the blinding light wasn't a light like the sun. It was greater than the brightness of the sun. Or anything in the universe, known universe that we know, God's glory is brighter and glo- uh, more glorious than anything you can see with your natural eyes. So he fell down to the ground and God's glory came upon him and the Lord spoke to him and called him to the ministry and he experienced a special anointing in his life and he received the Lord as his Savior. There on the road to Damascus, he got up from there and they led him in the city because he was struck blind because of the glory that was upon him. And I think for three days he was blind. He didn't see anything. And it wasn't blind like <coughs> somebody that needed healing, but it was blind because of the glory. And then remember God sent a man over there to lay hands on him that he might receive his sight and be filled with the Spirit. God's glory came upon him, and I'm here to tell you he was never the same from that day forward. There was a change in his life. Well, that's exactly what happened to me, something similar, not exactly. But I was headed down to Galveston, Texas. Y'all remember, Galveston, Texas is what? An island. It's surrounded by water. It's not a peninsula, it's an island. And so there's a bridge going across there. And I was headed down that bridge, and when you get off the bridge onto the island, you'll eventually come to a road called Seawall Boulevard. You remember Seawall Boulevard. Do you remember where Seawall Boulevard was at down there? Seawall Boulevard. Seawall Boulevard is a road that runs basically east and west of the island. And if you were traveling, uh, say, west, the Gulf of Mexico would be off to your left. It would be right on the beach, you would say. Or if you was going east, the Gulf of Mexico would be on your right. So I was headed down to Seawall Boulevard. Paul was on the road to Damascus. I was on the road to Galveston, Texas. But I found out it doesn't matter which road you own when you meet the Lord. It's going to change your life. Paul was a murderer, but not only a murderer, a murderer of Christians, but the glory of God changed his life and it filled him with his spirit and changed him into a brand new man. And that's exactly what happened to me. Not exactly the same experience, but a similar experience. Because I was driving down that road in a van, old Dodge van. Y'all remember the old Dodge van where the steer, steer wheel tilted into you? When I was going down through there and I was supposed to turn left to go get in this trouble that we was getting to. And I'm not proud about that, so I'm not going into all that. But when I got down to the road where I was supposed to turn right or left, instead of turning left, I had this overwhelming urge, sense about me, and this foreboding about me. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, don't, don't turn left. Don't turn left. I, I can't tell you naturally how I knew, but somehow I knew that I knew if I turned left that it may end my life. I didn't know. And I didn't know why I was having that experience because you couldn't accuse me of being a Christian then. You sure couldn't. I mean, if you'd have took me into court of law, that monkey would have testified against me and it'd been over. I'm telling you, they, they, they're going to never accuse me of being a Christian. At all. They had too much evidence showing I was a flat heathen. I mean, that's what we call a heathen or devil, whatever. I mean, I was helping the devil kill me. I mean, I don't know if you've ever done that or not, but I was helping him. But I, that feeling came on me, and it just was strong. I mean, so strong. And I was hard-headed back in those days. I'm looking at my wife. She said, you might have changed a little bit. 
got to set my mind to it, and I'm going to try to get it done somehow, you know. But uh, yeah, I was really hard-headed, and I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, forget this, but it, there was so strong, this urge, talking about being the temple of God. These facilities here, you know, we're, we are the temple of God, but we can dedicate these facilities to be God's temple, in a sense, where spirit dwells. So I turned right, obeying or listening to that urge. And when I did, the people that were with me, they started to complaining. Saying, what are you doing? You got to go left. We got to go left. We got to be there at a certain time, you know, to commit this crime and all this mess. Turn, turn, turn around, turn around, turn around. But I didn't turn around. When I made that right turn, listen. Just always make right turns. I know NASCAR makes left turns, but I'm telling you the truth about it. I'm telling you the truth about it. If you'll make a right turn to God, it'll change your life. I made a right-hand turn on that road, Seawall Boulevard, instead of a left. When I made that right-hand turn, it was like in a sense, I look back now and think about it, it's like in a sense, in a sense, I was giving myself more to God than I'd ever had before. In other words, I listened to that urge or unction or intuition I had, don't go left. And when I did, when I turned right on the side of the road, the Spirit of God came into that van that I was driving. And I was so overwhelmed by His presence, by His anointing, that I broke down and started weeping all that hardness that was in my life, all that rebellion that was in my life just was broken in a matter of seconds. And so I couldn't see really where I was going. I'm trying to see. So I pulled over on the side of the road there in the grass because back now they've got all kinds of high-rise hotels and everything else, but this is way back under, you know, years ago. And they didn't have all that stuff then. So I pulled off in the grass beside the road so the cars could get by. I went off pretty good in this old Dodge van, you know. And I just laid over the steering wheel and I began to weep and I began to cry, not because I was sad, but because I was sensing God's glory and God's anointing on my life. And all I could sense was that God loved me. And that God cared about me. And that God could get my life out of the mess that I had got it into. Because I was facing life without the possibility of parole. Never getting out of prison again if I'm apprehended by the authorities. And so here I am. Weeping and crying. As his presence came into that van. And I had this sense about me. And I just realized that I'd been living and running from God for years and years and years, like the apostle Paul or Saul on the road to Damascus. And that day, I said, Lord, if you're really real, I said, I'll give my life to you. And I knew he was. I don't know why I said it that way, but that's how I said it. Lord, and I ask you to help me get my life out of the mess that I've got it into. We're there in that van that day. The Lord assured me to make a long story longer or shorter. You know I can do it both ways. The Lord assured me that I'll help you. I'll get your life out of the mess that you've got it into. If you'll do what I tell you to do, we can turn it around for you. And that day, on that roadside, God's anointing and God's Spirit came upon me. And uh, the Ark of the Covenant... (laughs) 
His glory come out of that ark and got in me. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm talking spiritually, you understand. God's anointing came inside of me. Just like they brought the ark into the temple to, for God to be glorified in. Well, here I am and I'm glorified at that time through God. In other words, God's glory was in me. I'm not glorified in and of myself, but He put His glory inside me. That would be the better way to say it. One moment, I wanted to cheat, lie, rob, and steal. The very next moment after that experience, I wanted to pray, find a Bible to read, and find somewhere to go to church. <laughs> what happened to you? I lost my mind. And I got the mind of Christ. And God began to work in my life. And most of you here, I'm sure all of you here, can remember an experience about a time that you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and you dedicated and consecrated yourself to the Lord. And His Spirit and His presence came into you. Well, today as we dedicate these facilities, we know He dwells in us, but as we consecrate ourselves and dedicate these facilities to Him, we know that His Spirit will come and abide with us and be with us here as we give ourselves to Him. Let's go on and read something, something else, too. What had happened here in this experience is the work of God was completed and God was invited in. That's what we were just talking about. God's work was completed and then Solomon said, let's bring the ark in. In other words, God was invited in. And so we invite God into these facilities for His work to be accomplished in this earth. After the building was finished, they invited God to come and occupy it, and that's what we're doing. Even though we're the temple of God today, we welcome His presence here, the Spirit of God here, to do what He wants to among us and help everybody that comes in these facilities. Second Chronicles chapter 5, let's look at this. Verse number 13. What we're going to discover here, God honored their dedication to Him with His presence. God honored their dedication to Him with His presence. It says, it came to pass, and this is, remember, after they're dedicating the temple. It came to pass, in verse 13, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord... And when they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endures forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had done what? Had filled the house. In other words, God approved of what they had done and what they were doing. What were they doing? They were worshiping God. They were praising God. They were magnifying God. They were magnifying Him and lifting Him up. And through that process, as we come into this particular facility and begin to magnify God and worship God and glorify God, not only will He fill us, because that's the first place He dwells, but He will fill these facilities and He will minister to other people too, because we put Him first. Isn't that right? And we seek Him first. And not only will He come to us, 
There could be times that he may take us to him. <laughs> Can I tell you about an experience about a man that I know? There's a man named Reverend Kenneth Irwin Hagen. Now, Kenneth Irwin Hagen went to be with Jesus in 2003. But I'm talking about how that God's glory came into the temple here. Let me tell you about an experience he had after Jesus came. Of course, rose from the dead and everything. Then it grants us access into the presence of God, as God wills. God can cause us to have experiences, dreams, visions, whatever He wants us to do, of course, and then they will be fulfilled in our life as God wills. But uh, Reverend Kenneth Irwin Hagen was out in Rockwall, Texas. Anybody know where Rockwall, Texas is? Well, just look for the rocks and find the wall beside it, and it will be Rockwall, Texas. Now, in Rockwall, Texas... He was under a little old tent. And the reason I want to tell this story is because some people think that God only comes to big places and lots of people. But sometimes, in fact, all the time, He goes where hearts are hungry for Him. Where people desire Him, respect Him, reverence Him, and honor Him. Don't be mistaken by, by just looking at big things going on and a lot of things happening and watch for God in the still small voice. Reverend Kenneth Irwin Hagen was speaking under a tent. Y'all remember this pastor, a friend of his, had borrowed a tent and invited Reverend Kenneth Hagen to come and speak underneath this tent. Talking about how God's glory came here but also God can bring you into his glory. And so he was preaching in this tent. Remember the tent, this pastor friend of his had borrowed it from and got it from uh, uh, Reverend Tipton. Y'all remember Reverend Tipton? You, you remember Reverend Tipton? Reverend Tipton was uh, Miss Lynette Hagen's, Reverend Lynette Hagen's daddy. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember Reverend Tipton? But anyway, that's where they had got the tent. It was his tent. So Reverend Tipton had let this other pastor use his tent and they're in Rockwall, Texas. They was out in a field on the dirt roads. In fact, they're on the way to access the places down the dirt roads. And this, this is on way back yonder. Whoa, it was back there. So it started raining. When it started raining out there around the tent, you know, the water started coming in underneath, regardless of what you could do. You know, you, know, you don't have a foundation, you don't have no walls or nothing. So the rain started coming in, and people having to move their feet, sitting in the chairs. I don't know if you've ever been in tent meetings or not, but I have. I drove many a tent stake. With my daddy, I have. He had a two-pole tent he'd travel around with and help establish churches for the assemblies of God. He'd go into an area, didn't have a, a assembly of God church, and Get a farmer back then, all the farmers, I mean, that's the way it used to be. They'd be glad to do it. And they'd get a power company to come set up a power pole for free. If you're spreading the gospel, that's the way it used to be. I'm telling you, that's the way it used to be. Because everybody reverenced God. Everybody respected God. Even the drunks and the, everybody, the, everybody. If you walked up and you was a preacher, they bowed their head. You know what I mean? They didn't cuss and, and carry on. Prostitutes, same way. I mean, there was a reverence for God back then. 
That's the way it, it took place. But it seems to be that like the world is, and I'm not trying to get on anybody, it just seems like the world has got more irreverent. Our nation has got more irreverent, and they wonder where God's at. God's not going to force himself on anybody. So they was gathered <clears throat> under this tent. And I think, I, I think there's about 40, 45 people there, something like that, wasn't it, Dr. Chip? Somewhere right in there. And it started raining, a gentle, slow, soaking rain. And because it rained that day, most of the day, you know, not hard rain. And so most folks couldn't get out there where the tent was because, you know, travel was precarious, you know, on the dirt, muddy road. You'd get stuck out there and, you know, have to get a horse and buggy or somebody to come get you out of there, you know. And so they're underneath the tent. And so he taught a Bible lesson on, you know, the Bible that would benefit the Christians. And then he said, well, before we go, he said, let's just uh, pray. And they said, okay, everybody decided to pray. So he invited them to come down to the altar. And so when he got up to step down off the little platform that he was in the tent, you know, they had a little wooden platform on. When he got up uh, to, to step down to, on the ground and kneel down at the altar, he looked around, and all the other folks had been taking every dry spot in the tent. <laughs> and there wasn't no dry spots to kneel down in. If you knelt down, you're just going to nail down in a stream of water flowing. So he decided, I'll just stay up here on the platform. So he turned around, and he knelt down on that old wooden floor, you know, wooden platform, homemade thing, you know. And he knelt down, in this, and I'm pretty sure it was an old metal chair, you know, because that's what we used to have, traveling with the tent. He knelt down in that chair, and then as he was praying, and I'm not going into the whole story just for the sake of time, but I knew you'd be interested in to know that not only can God's glory come to us, but he can bring us into his presence. He wants us to experience him here and also there. So Reverend Hagen is there praying, and all of a sudden he heard some words. Come up hither. Come up hither. And he thought he'd seen some little boys out there playing around. You know how cantankerous little boys can be sometimes. A slinging rocks and carrying on, you know, and then the tent, and they're messing with people coming in and out. And he thought, well, it must be them little boys out there on the side of the hill, you know, hollering at us. Why don't the ushers do something about these people, you know, and about these little boys, you know, and get them to straighten out and go home or call their mama. Mama would have beat the devil out of them back in those days, you know what I mean? Or granny would especially. But anyway, well, somebody do something about that. And he went back to praying, you know, and, and he heard, come up, Heather, come up, Heather, you know. And he thought, well, them boys out there balking, making fun of us, you know, while we were praying, not knowing all the time it's the Lord calling him. <laughs> but he didn't know it. He thought it was little boys out there inside the tent. God wanted to call him into the glory. He's called us, Dr. Chip. I'm telling you, he's called us. He's called us all into his glory, into a place of his presence. And then finally, he heard it again. Hither, come up hither, come up hither to the throne of God. Just like you'd be standing there talking or I'm talking, that's the way he heard it. Nobody else heard it, just him. God was allowing him, so he looked, God's allowing him to hear into the realm of the Spirit. He looked up, and where the top of the tent was, and it kind of disappeared, and there's the Lord. Come up hither to the throne of God. And the next thing you know, he began to travel. And he left, you know, not his physical body, but he began to have an experience. And he began to travel up through that tent, and he went up through the clouds, just like an airplane would fly through clouds. 
Well, he had never been on an airplane ride in his life. He had never been on a commercial plane or anything like that. But uh, later on, when he did actually take a flight on an airplane, he told the pastor that he was flying with, two of them went together to go into a meeting. He said, you know, this is just like the experience I had in Rockwall, Texas. He said, when I was going up to heaven from that tent, because that's where he was going, he said, I was going through the clouds. And he must have been traveling real fast. Now, how fast he was going, Dr. Chip knows. You know what I mean? He, he knows I didn't figure all that stuff and get it going and how far Mars is seven minutes to here and ten minutes to Mars and seven minutes to the sun. But anyway, wherever it's at, uh, it's, it's, it just took him. The next thing you know, boom, there he was. And he was in heaven. And when he was in heaven, when he got there, now he didn't know he was going to have this experience. I'm talking about God's glory. God's glory was all upon him. God's glory came into the, the Shekinah glory was in the temple at, at times back in the Old Testament. But here God was actually bringing him into his presence. And God wants us to experience his presence. I'm not saying that all of us are going to have an experience like that one day. We're all going to go, but we may not have the experience the same way. But we're going, we're going to meet Jesus. Isn't that right? So he had not died a physical death. So he was having a spiritual experience. So when he got up into heaven, he said the first thing that he saw as he looked around, he saw the winged creatures that it talks about in the book of Revelations. You can go read about them. And had their eyes all the way around their head. And he saw them. He said when him and Jesus walked up, because Jesus was escorting him, he said when him and Jesus walked up, he said he could tell their mouths were moving, these creatures, whatever they were, they were of God, you know. And uh, he said their mouths were moving, and their wings were moving. They had wings. And he said, but when they walked up, they folded their wings and they ceased to speak. And then he looked and realized, I'm standing within 18 feet of the throne of God. And he could see, so he said it was like a veil between him and the throne. But he could see the throne through like a veil, you know what I mean? And he could see a figure sitting on that throne. And Jesus said to him, don't look upon him. He was seeing God our Father. Setting on the throne. See, God does exist. Don't let the world lie to you. He's alive. The creator of heaven and earth. And then he looked and he seen the rainbow. Remember the rainbow that God put in the sky? That rainbow was around the throne and he saw that throne. And Jesus talked to him. And shared with him some things and gave him a special anointing and then sent him back here to this earth with a special anointing to minister healing and other things, but specifically healing to the masses of humanity that was on this earth. And this ministry reached far and wide. In fact, it reached every inhabited continent on planet earth. His ministry did. That doesn't mean he physically went there but his ministry did. So how did that happen and occur? Because of the anointing that he received. The anointing that we received by coming and gathering together in this place right here. Being gathered together. We receive an anointing to go out and be a blessing to lost and dying humanity. 
We come here, we learn the word, we receive an anointing from God, and then we go forth equipped with his power and with his anointing. We can go forward and lay hands on the sick and see them healed. We can go forward and invite people to know Jesus Christ and pray with them and see them get born again. Well, if I had the time, I'd just tell you story after story about how the Lord led me along these lines. Can I tell you one story? Maybe just one? You sure? In Tulsa, Oklahoma. Y'all remember Tulsa, Oklahoma? Y'all remember the bird man in Tulsa, Oklahoma? You don't remember him? The bird man. You remember him? Well, I was, one day I was kneeling down praying. I lived in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, talking about God's glory and God's presence. Well, I would go to school. I was going to Bible school. And I'm talking about, we got talking about this because we're talking about how God's glory came actually in the, in the form of the ark. Anyway, and his God's glory came because of the uh, people started worshiping and praising God. Isn't that right? And it filled the place to the point they couldn't stand. That's what we were just talking about. So anyway, I, I kept having this, the experience that God's anointing was on me. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that from a bragging standpoint, but I was just seeking, I was praying, I was learning so much Bible truths from going to Bible school, and I just felt like I was worthless, that, that, that I wouldn't use in this glory like I should, and, and this anointing that was on my life like I should, and I thought that I should be doing something different than what I was doing. And so I knelt down in, in Fox Run Apartments. Y'all remember where that was, Fox Run? It's over there at 81st and Elm in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Y'all remember that? Remember you get off the Broken Arrow Expressway and you turn down Elm. And eventually if you're going south, you'll come to 81st Street, turn right. And then right on your left there is Fox Run Apartments, number 812. That's where my wife and I lived. And I was kneeling down in that apartment and I was praying. She was working. And I was kneeling down praying in that apartment. And I just said to the Lord, I just got in His glory. And His presence just came so strong. And I said, Lord, I said, you've blessed me so much. I said, I don't believe I'm utilizing what you put in my life like I should. I said, I, said, I don't know what I'm doing, but I seems like that I should be doing something. And Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, how can I please you? Lord, I want to please you. I don't want to just waste this anointing on my life. And again, I'm not bragging on myself. Everybody has this. Everybody has an inclination for the Lord. If you'll go after it. And he said this to me. I was waiting for some great revelation about go preach to the multitudes and speak to me in at one time. And, but that didn't happen. <laughs> this is what the Lord said. He said, go downtown Tulsa and pass out tracks. I said, do what? Go downtown Tulsa and pass out tracks. That's what he told me. I said, pass out tracks. Do you know how many hoodlums are down there? <laughs> I used to be a hoodlum, you know. <laughs> you know how, many, how much crime is committed down there? He said, that's where I want you to go. You've got experience in this area. <laughs> You've got experience in this area. <laughs> I didn't want to go, but I mean, I wanted to obey God. And he said, pass out tracks. I didn't have no tracks. I didn't have a whole lot of money. So I wondered, what am I going to do? So I went to the Bible bookstore, and I found some tracks you could buy for a nickel apiece. And I would buy me a dollar's worth of tracks. <laughs> a dollar. Big money for me. <laughs> buy me a dollar's worth of tracks. And then I would go downtown Tulsa. 
He just said downtown. He didn't tell me where. And I'd park my old 74 VW Super Beetle Volkswagen. Bang, bang, you know. <laughs> park it downtown somewhere. And then I'd get out and I'd walk the streets. To start with, I was rambunctious. You know, I'd just, everybody that I'd come in contact, I'd give them a track and they'd throw it down. And I thought, that's wasting my nickel. <laughs> and I, started, I started, decided, I got to be doing something different than this. Talking about the anointing coming, just like when we received the anointing in this facility here. And I thought, well, I need to be doing something different. I said, because I'm not getting very far. And I wasn't. I mean, I wouldn't lead nobody to the Lord. He said, pass out tracks. But I knew he didn't want me just having to throw them on the ground. So what I would do is I stopped and changed my methods of operation. I decided, well, I need to pray about who I give a track to. Maybe I'll be more effective. Because God knows who's going to receive it and who's not. And that don't mean I got it right 100% of the time. But I just stopped. Sometimes I'd sit down there. You know, there'd be a little wall there on the city sidewalk or something. And I'd sit down on that wall and just rest and just pray. And I'd look around. And I'd see somebody. And they would just kind of stand out to me. And I'd go talk to that person. And I'm, I'd like to tell you I got everybody saved, but I didn't. But I talked to them. But it seemed like that every time after that I started praying and asking God... Not every single time, but almost every single time, the people were more receptive than me just going around just throwing tracks in people's face. You know what I mean? Because I just wanted to be obedient, you know. So one day, I'm, I'm walking down the road in Tulsa on the north, well, actually, it'd be on the east, uh, no, the west side of Tulsa, on the north uh, west side. And in that area, it gets kind of pretty, uh, you better watch where you, when you turn the corner, you better see who's around there first, you know. That kind of thing. But I was walking across and I had to wait for the traffic signal to change, you know, where I wouldn't be jaywalking. How'd they come up with blue jays and walking? I don't know. But anyway, where I wouldn't be jaywalking. And I got to the light and I was standing there just thinking about, well, what's my next plan of action here? Lord, help me. Show me which way to go. And I looked to my left and I seen this little store over there. It was kind of a storefront that's down there. It just rolled up the door and, the, and there was a store. You know what I mean? It was in the city. I don't know. You probably don't got those around here, but busy cities have. If you go to New York, you'll see them everywhere. But anyway, kind of rolled up the door and you walk in the store, you know. And I was just deeply impressed that when I went across this intersection to turn left and go across another intersection and go into that store, I didn't know what I was going to do when I got there. So I, I went across when the light changed, and I got on the other side, <clears throat> and then I waited for that light to change where you could walk, you know. If you didn't, you'd get run over, because a lot of these one-way streets, and they were flying, boom, down through there. And I walked across, and I walked over that store. When I got there, I noticed this gentleman in, in behind the counter. He was an older fella. I'd say he was a seasoned citizen, well-seasoned citizen. He had some years on him, you know, lots of years. And I walked in, and I kind of looked around and everything, and I got me a little bottle of water, you know, I had enough money to do all that. Got me a bottle of water, you know, and went up to pay for it. And when I did, I knew he was the reason i come in there. Because suddenly, while I was standing there, paying for this water with cash out of my pocket, that anointing, that glory, 
that came in that temple right here came on me. I'm telling you, the glory will come on you wherever you're at. God will anoint you to accomplish a task for Him. And I had such a desire and a love for that man that was beyond me. I didn't even know him. But it's such a love and desire to help that man. And all I could see is he was on his last leg. He was having problems breathing. I didn't know who he was. I just knew he had a job, but he's working there behind that counter. Well, I started talking to him. And nobody came in. It seemed like God just knew how to orchestrate it. And he started saying, I've been watching you. That's what he said. Because I'd been down there, you know, quite a bit. But I'd never stopped at his place. I've been watching you. He said, what's that stuff you giving them people? You ain't got no drugs in here, have you? <laughs> I said, no, sir. I said, this is what I'm giving people. He took it. It was a track about Jesus, you know. It was this little nice little track, you know. And I said, I'd like to give one to you. I said, this is what I'm doing. I'd like to share with you. I don't want to hear nothing about that, Jesus. All they want is your money. That's all they want in them churches anyway. That's all they want your money. All them preachers are going to hell. I'm telling you the truth about it. If there is a hell, they're going to hell. I'm telling you the truth about it. I mean, he's just a cussing up. We call it in the country a blue streak. You know what I mean? I mean, he was upside down the other. Come to find out, he owned this little establishment. And he had a daughter that would help him out, you know, and, and everything. He was real old, but she would come by and help him out relieve him. And uh, so he was just spitting, fuming mad, you know, about God and about Jesus and everything else, you know. But the whole time that he's, I'm standing there, that glory that came in that temple was upon me. I mean, it didn't matter what he said. I was anointed to take it. I mean, it was just like God had equipped me. Because, I mean, you'd, normally you'd get mad and want to cuss and slap somebody upside the head and... No, you wouldn't do that. No, you're sanctified. You know what I mean? But somebody just treats you like dirt. I mean, that's, that's what this man was doing. But that glory, that glory that came right in this temple right here that we just read about, that glory, you are the temple. It came on me. And you'll find this happening to you more and more as you seek God and more and more as you give yourself to it. They may be cantankers to start with, but you yield to that the Spirit of God inside of you. If He prompts you to talk to somebody, talk to Him. So I talked to Him. When I got through, you know, He kept the track. He didn't throw it away. I watched Him, you know. He kept the track because He didn't waste nothing. But He was the owner of this little place and He told me, I think He was 90, 96 or 97. Working. Probably had enough money if he pulled it out of his pocket to choke a goat with if he tried to bite it. But he done held on to them pennies so long he never enjoyed them. Sin don't let you enjoy nothing in life. But he made a lot of money. I found out from his daughter later. You'll hear the story about this. So I just said, well, it's good to talk to you, sir. I said, it was a pleasure to meet you. Oh, oh I know how y'all are. Yeah, I know how y'all are, you know. I said, I'll talk to you later. Oh, you don't need to talk to me. So I went on. I didn't go the next day by there. You know what I mean? I mean, I went by, but I just, I didn't stop. And so I kept going. And then one day I come by there and he was sitting on a bench. 
outside. There's a little concrete, you know how they pour them concrete benches and, and put them in the city? There's a concrete bench right there beside his establishment, your little, little storefront. You just rolled. I mean, it was about as wide as that thing right there. And then you walked in, and it went back about, I don't even know if it went to that wall right there. But that, you just had to walk around, turn sideways and all that, and get your bubble gum and, and everything you want, and go pay for it, you know. So anyway, I seen him sitting out on the bench. And I was prompted again, cross the street. So I went down to the light, crossed the street, <clears throat> and went there, and he saw me coming. He started shaking his head when he saw me coming. <laughs> and I went and sat down on a concrete bench beside him, you know. And I said, how you doing? I was expecting you to come back and bother me again. What are you doing over here bothering me? I ain't bothered you. You didn't see me chasing you down the street, do you? How come you chasing me everywhere I go? I said, sir, I said, God loves you. I said, you know, you have got a few years under you. A few years? My God, son, I've been around twice as long as you have, maybe three times. I said, yes, sir, you're right, sir. I said, but God loves you. And I said, if you step out into eternity without knowing Jesus Christ, I said, there's no hope for you whatsoever. When I said that, it was like something hit him. I don't know what, but it changed him. Because I don't think he ever thought of death. Most people don't think of dying. It takes more faith to die than it does to live. Don't throw me out, Dr. Chip. You got to know you're ready when you take that last step. <clears throat> anyway, I talked to him. And uh, he was pretty cantankerous down to the end, but he was different. Something just happened. Something snapped, broke. So I went on, and I didn't talk to him for, I don't know, a week maybe, because I'd go down there every day, every day, every day, every day, because the Lord didn't tell me not to go, I went. And I say every day, I might not have went on Saturday or Sunday, but every weekday when I went to school, I would go, you know, so I don't want to lie about it. So I'm going down through there one day, and I'm walking along this same street, and I see this man sitting out on a bench. And this day, when I looked over there at him, he done this. He motioned for me. I thought, well, this is strange. So I went to the traffic signal, crossed the thing, went down the next street. You know, you had to, you had to cross two blocks right there, two streets, you know. And I went across, and I went in, went over, sat down beside him. He said, they tell me I'm fixing to die. He said, my daughter's running the store. I said, yes, sir. I said, I sense that. And I said, but you don't have to know death. I said, the Bible talks about Jesus took your place in death. He said, oh, you're going to live forever? I said, yes and no. You're not going to live forever in the physical body you're in now, but you're going to live forever either in heaven or where the devil goes to hell. I tried to be as good and kind as I could about it. To make a long story longer, when me and that man sat on that bench and he asked me questions, I guarantee you Jesus probably didn't know the answer to them. But <laughs> Lord, I'm not, I'm not, not believing you, Jesus. <laughs> but, but I mean questions I couldn't answer. I mean, he done it on purpose. You know, he just made it hard. I didn't know. I'm just a little Bible school boy. You know, I don't know all these questions. You know, you need Dr. Chip there. He can answer them for them. <laughs> Tahu, babohu, and all them things. I don't know. <laughs> you know. 
But down towards the end, I said, sir, you know, all them questions you're asking me, I said, really don't matter. I said, if you don't know Jesus, I said, that's going to be your problem when you die. When I said that, I seen a tear kind of out of his corner of his eye. It run down. The old gnarly hands had been working all his life real hard and scraping and trying to make a dollar, you know. He reached up and knocked it loose, you know, the tear. And I said, the Lord loves you. He cares about you. I said, don't you want to get right with God? And then he broke down and he started crying. And when he did, that glory that came in this house right here in the Old Testament came on me and came on that old gentleman sitting on that bench. And you talking about him praying the prayer, I just led him in the prayer. I don't know if it was all the these and thou's were in the right place, but it was a sincere prayer, and that's what counts. And he prayed sincerely after all those years, all those years, being at that age. And right there, Jesus came into his heart. His daughter seen us out from the store because it's just right there, you know. She seen it. She come out there because he was crying, you know. She said, Daddy, Daddy, what is it? What is it, Daddy? What is it, Daddy? He said, I got saved. And she started crying. She grabbed his neck. She'd been trying to witness to him. You know, she wouldn't listen. You know, the daughter wouldn't listen to Daddy. I mean, the Daddy wouldn't listen to the daughter. And now she's squalling and crying, and the glory's on her, the glory's on me, the glory's on the bench, the glory's in the church. My God, His glory is on us. You know what I mean? And here we are, sitting out on that bench. And it was amazing what had happened. Two days later, I was coming down through there. I was going to go by and see my friend, you know. And I'd brought him some little booklets of Brother Hagin's, you know, them little uh, mini books. I'd brought him some of them, you know. I didn't know how much time he had left, but at least he had time to read a 32-page mini book. <laughs> and when I come down, his daughter would, had been looking for me. She, come over here, come over here, come over here. So I went, I didn't even, you know, the way she was waving, I didn't even go to the thing. I jaywalked. I just went pew, straight across there. When I got there, she said this. She said, Daddy died the day that we prayed on the bench. I said, well, what are you doing here? Well, who's going to take care? She said, everybody else in our family is already gone. She said, I have to run the business. She said, this business has to stay open until we shut it down. She said, that Daddy's already gone. He made it here. He made it into heaven. He said, I want you to know. She said, I, I appreciate what you've done. I said, ma'am, I said, it's the Lord that sent me down here. You know me, I can tell the stories. I told her story about being in broken air at 812 Fox Run and kneeling down and how God told me to go. And when I went down there, his glory went with me. And I'm here to tell you, that's the reason we come in these facilities right here. We're soaking up his glory. See, right this morning, I don't know if you've realized it, but I know you're very intelligent. His glory is settled upon you here. Your heart has been touched by His Spirit. Not by me, but by Him. Because that's what we're dedicating these facilities for. 
We want to see Dayton come to Jesus. And wherever you're at to come to Jesus. And we dedicate this facility to pray about those things and have the Lord to show us the directions that we need to go so that we can help people. Can I read you one more scripture? What time is it? The clock, I can't read it, so I'm fine. <laughs> Second Chronicles 7.14, we're going to close with this. We got the pretty wooden clock, but he says when the two hands get straight up, it means it's 12 o'clock. <laughs> so they're straight up, almost. It's 11.59. Now remember, this is still after Solomon had dedicated the temple. The people had worshipped God and His glory came in. And at this dedication that they're dedicating the temple to, what happened is here, and we're closing, the last point, is God gave directions for blessings and prosperity. In other words, when you serve God, He wants you to be blessed and He wants you to be prosperous. The first thing we talked about, the work was completed and God was invited in. And that's what we've done here. The, the church facilities, you know, we know we're the temple of God, just like I was telling you and about the gentleman. And that we dedicate these facilities, but more so we dedicate ourselves. So the work was complete and God was divided in. Then God honored their dedication to Him with His presence. Remember, they couldn't even stand to minister. For the glory. And there's some more things that go along with that. But then God gave directions for blessing and prosperity in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, 2 Chronicles, excuse me, chapter 7, uh, verse number 12. This is all uh, continuing on when God spoke to Solomon in the dedication of the uh, temple to the Lord. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night in verse number 12 of 2 Chronicles 7 and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. And I have chosen this place, the temple that they were dedicating, to myself for a house of sacrifice. We come to God, and what we do today, we offer the sacrifice of praise. We bring ourselves, we worship Him, we glorify Him, we lay aside everything else outside, and we come inside here to dedicate ourselves to God, just like we're dedicating these facilities to God. And he goes on to say, if I shut up heaven or if heaven gets shut up, that there be no rain. And I don't know, I know you know a lot of this, but out in the western part of the United States, there is a drought that has taken place as some of the large lakes and rivers are going down. In fact, in some places in right now in Mexico, so some of these places that feed them, they do not have water to drink now because of a drought. And part of that water comes out of the United States and goes that way. And out in, in the west now... There's all kinds of rules and laws about water and the lakes are going down, down, down because there's not enough rain. He said, if there be no rain or if I command the locusts to devour the land or if I send pestilence among my people, he said here, in other words, if he allowed those things to happen, verse 14, he said, if my people, which I mean by allowed, God doesn't do it, you understand that. God doesn't do bad things, he does good things. But he said, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and do what? And seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Verse 15, Now mine eyes shall be open, and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. Verse 16, For I now have I chosen and sanctified the word set apart, sanctified being set apart, this house, that my name may be there forever 
and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. In other words, God don't want to just visit us. He wants to be with us forever. And that's why we dedicate these facilities unto God. We dedicate ourselves unto God. And then we give glory unto God. And we learn about Him. And we dedicate these facilities today. So in closing, why don't you stand to your feet. And let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ to thank you and honor you and worship you. For you are good and your mercy endures forever and ever. It is because of your love, mercy, grace, and provision that we are gathered today to dedicate this building to your kingdom to accomplish your will in this city and the world. We thank you for your blessings upon this sanctuary. The pastors and people have been led by your spirit and work with your hands to honor you. Thank you for your presence that will abide here to bring many into the kingdom of God. Thank you for your anointing to deliver, save, fill, heal, and establish people in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your blessings upon these pastors and saints here as they continue to worship you, honor you, and magnify you in this place that we dedicate to your glory in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. Now let's say this. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you as we come to this end of dedication. We realize that it's not proper to dedicate the facilities unless we dedicate ourselves. So today, we consecrate, we dedicate, and commit ourselves to your work for your service to establish a kingdom of God here and around the world. Thank you for being so gracious to us and help us, us in this endeavor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to turn it to Dr. Chip. I preach myself happy. Amen. Well, that was the story there was one of the times that uh, the people of God said that the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Amen. And so um, we thank the Lord that he is good and his mercy endureth forever. So it's just uh, it's just an honor to be here. Amen. As we uh, dedicate these facilities and, uh, you know, the prayer of consecration, dedication that we prayed at the end. That's one of the most important prayers that you can pray in your life. And it's a prayer that you should pray really on a regular basis. You know, Lord, I dedicate my life to your service and all that you ask me to do in whatever capacity that is. And if you'll do that, it keeps your heart settled. Amen. Lots of times we get, uh, get kind of uh, agitated or, or um, uh, we, we just want to do something different. But uh, a lot of times it's just because uh, we haven't dedicated our hearts and consecrated our lives to his work. Amen. And, of course, Jesus, uh, the greatest prayer that he prayed was there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. And, um, you know, there was a time when, when he was uh, wondering, oh, Lord, if there's any other way, you know, let this cup pass from me. And, and uh, you know, sometimes in the difficult times of life, 
we look around, well, Lord, you know, let's do something. Let's do it differently. And the Lord said, I need you to stay on that path. I need you to be on that path. You know, I need you to, uh, you know, to if you're on Seawall Boulevard, you need to stay on that road and hang a right there. That's the path I need you to be. I don't need you to hang a left. And, you know, sometimes it's the pressure to turn left is there, you know, and, and so we've got to stay the stay the path. Amen. And that's the that's helps to pray the prayer of consecration, dedication to dedicate our lives to the Lord. Amen. Because if you think about it, you know, the only reason why we're here on this earth is because there's people that need to go to heaven still. Amen. If everybody that had dedicated their lives to go to heaven, the Lord would just wind it up. And we'd go to heaven. Amen. He'd get a new heaven, new earth. And so the only reason why we're still here on this earth is because there's work for us to do. And the only purpose of us being on this earth is to advance his kingdom. Amen. The jobs are nice and careers are nice and families are nice and homes are nice and all that's nice to enjoy and to, to uh, uh, be around people that we love. Uh, but we're really only here to advance his kingdom. Amen. Uh, and so everything we do, all the, all the work that we do, all the jobs that we have, all the families we have is really there to advance his kingdom. Amen. Uh, and so we appreciate the, we appreciate the message, Brother Randy, and, and we dedicate uh, this ministry and this church, this building and our individual lives for the work of the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so uh, uh, we're going to of course, finish up the service here in just a minute and then we're going to have our church meal. Uh, and so, but uh, let's get ready and receive an offering this morning. And so, you know, uh, uh, our, uh, our uh, whenever we have guest ministers, uh, we always receive just one offering uh, for the minister. We don't receive two offerings, you know, and some churches do that, which is fine. You know, no problem if they do that. Uh, but um, it's always been in our hearts to, to receive everything that we receive uh, in the offering. And, uh, uh, and that goes towards the ministry. All of it goes towards the ministry of who's ever here. And, of course, today... That'll go towards the ministry of Randall Greer. Amen. Uh, and so uh, if you need to write a check, you can make a check out to Word of Truth Church uh, and, and it will write him one check. Uh, but everything that we receive today will go into his ministry. And of course, you know, the Lord's called him uh, to minister and, and uh, we didn't spend much time on it. But he stands in the office of the prophet and and in that role, um, you know, that's an important role in the body of Christ. The fivefold ministry gifts are being given to us by the Lord Jesus. Amen. As the head of the church. Uh, and that's the role that he plays, and it's got specific requirements and uh, and um, uh, responsibilities that he has to do, amen? Uh, and so uh, we want to be a blessing to his ministry, amen? Everything that we sow today will go into his ministry to advance the kingdom of heaven. And, uh, you know, the stories that he told about the man in Tulsa, uh, that, that didn't, you know, that's not the last time that he's ever ministered to anybody, right? He's been ministering to people for, I guess, 30 to 40 years now. Uh, and uh, And everything we sow into his ministry... Uh, we get fruit from that, amen. So, so if uh, if somebody is blessed by his ministry tomorrow, by us sowing at his ministry financially, that's part that goes to our account, amen. When we get to heaven, you know, the Lord will reconcile all that. He'll figure all that. You know, will you get you know five percent here and ten percent? You know, I don't know how he figures all that out, but uh, he'll figure it out, amen. Uh, and uh, uh, and so it's an honor to give, amen. Uh, and as we give, the Bible says that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into our bosom. And so it's an honor to give. We, we, we're thankful the Lord has blessed us individually uh, with the finances to be able to give into the ministry of, of wherever the Lord has told us to sow. Amen. And so we're going to sow into the ministry of Randall Greer today. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give. It's an honor to give. You've blessed us, been so kind to us, Father, to give us good jobs, Father, finances, uh, income. And, Father, it's a small thing, Father, for us to give uh, a portion of those finances uh, into whatever ministry you ask us to sow in. So, Father, we choose to do that as an act of faith. We choose to do that, Father, as obedient children of the Most High God. 
And, Father, we thank you that as we give that all the finances that Randall Greer Ministries need to accomplish your vision, your plan uh, on the earth through him, Father, that he'll have all the finances that he needs. And we thank you, Father, that, that uh, his, his bank accounts are full, Father, and his bills are paid, and, and uh, his vision that you've given to him is accomplished. And, Father, as we give, we thank you that with good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give it to our bosom because of our faith and faithfulness to give to you. And we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, come ahead, Mr. Jaron, receive the offering. And appreciate y'all's faithfulness to come out today. And, and um, uh, you know, there's just been such an expectation in my heart uh, for this, meeting, uh, this meeting today.